Hi, everyone. Welcome back to I've Been Thinking with your host, Brianna. That's me. You know, one of the things that I have been feeling very fortunate about over the last several weeks is that as we have more and more of these conversations, I just feel like we're pulling people into our world and into our platform who are helping us think about sort of what it means to be living in this world in this moment, both as just a human being trying to thrive, but also as an artist and as a creative. And I have someone today that I think you're just gonna love. I think she's so lovely. And I think that, you know, I often say, I try to bring people to our platform that I think you will feel um, the same way that I do, which is that she's a lovely individual, so genuine and um, such a lovely person to have on the platform. Her name is Ashley Bersher. She's a TV, film and theater actress. Um, We connected on Instagram, which as far as I know is the only way to connect with people at this time. (laughs) So we connected on Instagram and we had a conversation and she's been so kind to say yes to being on the platform. So everyone, welcome Ashley. How are you doing today? Hi, I am really good. 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 I love that. That's like the best first step. Like, like I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling hydrated, like yeah, rested, all things. I feel that made me feel very vulnerable to say that. <laughs> I, I believe it. Before we jump into the conversation, tell people just a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Um, so I'm, my name's Ashley Bersher. I am a, a California born and bred girl. Um, so that's like a little important piece about my quirks. Um, and, uh, I, I'm originally, well, currently I was living in New York city and actually currently I am in Easley, South Carolina. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a small town. Small, yeah. small. I have been here for about two weeks and I have met all of the neighbors. Right. Exactly. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but it's been, and their dogs. Uh, so that's been really nice. Uh, I'm an, I'm an actress and I, uh, I do, you know, all the things that we actors and artists do. And I also do my best to support people behind the scenes. So currently I'm working as a production manager on a show that opens today online. Um, uh, today, what is that? June 26th, mm-hmm. um, called the round table play. Uh, so, so yeah, that's just a little bit about me. I love the fact that you're in South Carolina. My family, my mother's family is actually from Beaufort, South Carolina. So when you said South Carolina, I was like, yep, I know that. So you've met everyone, you know, like every single person in the neighborhood you've met and like have actual relationship with now. (laughs) Yes. Like I know why they're here. I I know their relationship (laughs) with the people who live in the house if they don't live in the house, Mm -hmm. um, like long-term. Uh, I know people's allergies. Yeah, exactly. It's it's amazing. It's so amazing. And you compare that to the fact that like in New York with my, I saw my neighbor the other day and I was like, has that person always lived in that building or like what's happening there? I totally understand that. Well, you know, you and I had a conversation, you know, a little while ago. And when we were talking, I, I explained to you sort of what I've been trying to do with this platform, which is really a create a space for people to sort of navigate the conversation of what's happening in our country right now, but then also to amplify the voices of other actors and actresses and creatives in general. And so you and I were sort of talking about how do you conceptualize this moment that we're in, like with everything that's happening, 
How are you as a creative thinking about this whole idea of addressing systemic racism and bias and social justice? Like it's so much, but how are you sort of working through that? I think I have like a couple of different layers. I think for me, like personally, the most important part of that is educating myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Like obviously I'm a black woman, but just because I'm black doesn't mean I know everything. It doesn't mean I know all of our history. It doesn't mean I know, excuse me, all of the ins and outs of uh, systematic racism or uh, the prison industrial complex. Um, Like, I mean, I I learned about those things uh, probably uh, most in the most detailed way throughout college. Um, And then just reading and interest and uh, and film a lot, I think you uh, sparked a lot of my interest Mm -hmm. um, when it came to that. But currently, I think the first step for me is educating myself. Um, the sex, second step is has been um, just sharing a message that I know well and that I um, that I support and that I'm proud of. Um, I, w- I would certainly consider myself a black female fem- feminist um, or a black uh, woman who's a feminist. And um, so, a lot of the things I, I care deeply to share come from that perspective. Um, also, I have a friends of very various cultural backgrounds and ethnicities. So also um, sharing a lot of information about allyship is important to me. Um, And these things feed me. I think uh, reading all of these things and learning these these things, they feed me, they feed my artists like soul um, and and inspire me. Um, And I think that in some some of these, some of these, during this time, it's very easy to be super overwhelmed. And I I find myself, exercising or letting that out, uh, via art and, um, not necessarily the art that I am, you know, that I'm known to do, which I think is a really important thing for us creatives. I think it's important to, uh, give yourself the space to take a step back and to express yourself artistically, um, through what's going on in a different way than you normally would. So painting, you know, creative writing, all of those things. Um, and, and then I think it's also having those hard conversations is a big part of it. Um, uh, my husband uh, is looks like a Caucasian male, and he's very, very tall, and so that's a very specific uh, perspective of privilege. So having those tough conversations um, about about our lives and how we we different we navigate the world differently, yeah. and and talking through that uh, a lot is has been the way that I've been going about it. And then, you know, I think my favorite part is just the self-care part. (laughs) (laughs) Which we cannot emphasize enough. (laughs) It's just like the, okay, I'm going to like eat some red vines and watch uh, what I call trash TV. Um, And um, because it's awesome. Right. And and just like sort of have my like moment, momentary veg out or, you know, uh, pretend like I'm a mom escaping from my kids just for like 20 minutes and taking a bath with like, you Love know, it. a glass of wine and a TV show, like Little Fires. That's what I was watching. 100%. <laughs> right? And I think, you know, something that you said that I really um, think is so interesting because I know that I've been doing it, but I didn't think that I, I, I realized I haven't been doing that consciously. And you just made me think about that, which is when you're an artist and you're a creative expression 
is often through your art, but it's yeah. not necessarily the art that you're known for, right? Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a theater actress. Um, and so I'm not necessarily utilizing those creative skills in this moment, but I am doing a lot more writing. You know, yeah. the podcast in and of itself is sort of an, a creative expression. And, and mm-hmm. I find myself really loving, you know, the design part and, and the, all of that piece of it. And so I think you're right. We find ways to express ourselves creatively, even though it's not the thing that like we are marketed as out in our industry. Yes. 100%. I think like, even, even if you feel not, if you're an artist and you identify like that, or you identify as a creative, even if you don't feel capable, because I have a lot of friends who are like, things are so stressful for them that they cannot even pick up a script and read it like friends who are actors. And I'm like, look, that's fine. And if you feel like you can't do anything, I think being an artist or creative is is really a part of us. And so giving yourself the space to find those other things. Mm-hmm. So, so so picking up picking up the artist way as like, you know, old school that might sound, it's 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 a rock. I mean, picking up the artist way and going through, even if you just get through one section, or even if you just get through like week one and two and all you've done is journaling and maybe an artist day or not. And then you get to week three and you're like, well, I'm not really doing this to my fullest. No, forget it. Just keep going. Yeah. And eventually like you will start to express yourself in really surprising ways. Like, I don't know, get a little weird, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And you know, but the thing that I love about what you're saying is because there could be a real freedom to expressing yourself in a way without that judgment. You know, so much of what we do is for judgment, for consumption. And so you're right. Like this idea of like, just do it knowing that like nobody cares, nobody's watching. It's just for you. I think that is probably the most freeing gift you can give yourself as a creator. Oh my God. Yes. And that is, you hit it. That is the thing about it is, um, it is just, I think it's an amazing like feeling to produce whatever kind of art and to not give a, can I curse? I didn't yeah, know. of course. Oh, okay. So not give a fuck what people think. Right. About it. Like that. <laughs> Oh my God, that feeling is- Which is the battle. (laughs) Yeah, like that is the battle, right? For like creatives, like to just do it and truly just do it because you want to do it. Like I was like feeling some kind of way um, a couple of weeks ago. And so I got like some paper and some paint and I like used my hands because I'm a very physical actor, I would say. And I used my hands and just made something on like a piece of cardboard does that have to be something I frame? Does that have to be something I keep? Like I can throw, I gave it to my niece because she builds little buildings in her room. I was like, mm-hmm. here, you can have this thing that I made. Cause I right. don't, I just, it was an, it was, it was something that allowed me to express what I was going through and to get through that. Cause, cause what is happening is so overwhelming and yeah. so stressful. I think that a lot of us have not yet realized how stressed we are. Totally. Um, I, I totally agree with you. I think that we are just, uh, and I won't speak in generalizations. I'll say for myself that I have come to that realization of like, oh, I'm just realizing how overwhelming this is. Mm-hmm. Because I think in the midst of, you know, you and I talked about this previously, but like the minute that the George Floyd murder happened, it was like a match was lit and 
and and we were consumed by so much information and and so much you know content and i remember saying to you that like i had to intentionally take a step back because everything that you see you know i think artists have a a predisposition to be more empathetic so it was literally like i was being traumatized on a second mm-hmm. by second basis mm-hmm. so taking a step back from that but i realized over the last week or so I was like, I'm feeling this in a way that I wasn't feeling this a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's because it's finally settling yeah. and in my body of like what we've seen over the last several weeks is, tra- is traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And to yeah. be an artist and try to navigate that feels, feels really difficult. Yes. And I, and I also can imagine because I think like if you, there's all varying types of artists, if you've gone through like going to some form of art school, you have been taught also that you have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also trying to navigate that yeah. and, uh, in a safe way for yourself. And I totally agree. When I, when I found out about George Floyd, I, I um, didn't, my husband told me actually. And I was like, I read a quick article or quick blurb about it. And I was like, I'm going to go take a shower. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not in a place to process that right, right now. Right. And, and for myself as well, it took me weeks to get through to that point where I was like really processing what happened, starting to really processing what's going on. And then because I am who I am being probably my most ever active self on social media, because I felt super empowered and inspired and that it was extremely important that I could do my part in sharing um, my experience as a black woman, as a black person, and as a human being, um, and 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 a lot of that had to do with the way that I felt about allyship and yeah. the way that I felt about allies. Um, and I had people text messaging me like, "Oh my God, hey, I'm so sorry that you have been going through this and that you have to live in this world." And it's like it's very nice, but it's also tricky because I don't know necessarily what to do with that. Right, right. Um, whereas like I've also had where it's like, hey, listen, my husband and I were talking. Um, we really would like to educate ourselves on this. Um, do you have a recommendation for some books? Like we have these books that we've already found, but do you have any recommendations? And and so going about it in that way. And then also I just want to say that educating yourself doesn't mean you gotta pick the hard book to read. <laughs> totally, totally. Like um, the, like the new Jim Crow is a wonderful book. It is a pretty thick book and I think you got to be prepared to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's so fair and so okay to start where you feel comfortable starting. And that means starting even with novels that have black leads in it, like read swing time by Zay Smith, you know, like you can read that. And that is an education in and of itself of a black, uh, female experience. Um, so those are the things that I think I've well, and I th- and you know even when you said that I I remember saying to someone I was like if you're not even someone who's prone to pick up a book Netflix basically released a whole black film education for you that and you're already on Netflix twenty three hours out of the day anyway so like make a conscious choice that like I'm going to watch something today that is going to at least get, give me some point of reference yeah. For the conversation, because I think that that's the piece that I have found to be um, interesting about this space because, and I, and you alluded to this, it's like, 
you're experiencing this moment in time as a black person, as a brown person, and that comes with its own special set of mm-hmm. emotions and feelings and, and, and responsibilities to process. You add on top of that that there was this natural bleed over into our in, into our industry, yeah. right? Where all of a sudden there were these conversations happening about what does equity look like? in our industry specifically. And I know every industry has been touched by this at this point, but I think in particular on social media, we started to see, at least I did, these you know actors of color who were being very transparent and open about what it meant to be black and brown and navigating our industry. And that in and of itself was both empowering and trauma, you know, traumatic at the same time. And so you're looking at all of this happening. And I remember thinking, first, this is huge. Like it's huge for us to be having this conversation out in the open because I think we've always been having these conversations. But then the second thing I remember thinking is like, how do we move towards solution united, like as a community of people, because there's, there's so much that is riding on us being a part of fixing this industry. And yet it's big work that needs to be done. And, and to do it well, I think we have to be united as artists of color. Is there something that you think about, um, as ways that we can really move towards solutions as a community? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think, and I'm, you know, one thing that I can say is I do think that it has the possibility of being at minimum a two-tier process. Mm -hmm. I think that one thing that has always been very important to me and very obvious based on my academic experience and my educational background, um, I was, I went to a African-American private uh, Christian school um, from probably preschool through seventh or sixth grade and um and uh that is a very one-of-a-kind experience and very Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. and um what I have learned since then obviously much older but what I have learned about my education is that there there is a lot missing for for black America yeah and that I think is where we need to go all the way back to when it comes to everything across the board, even like we're talking about artists, doctors, lawyers, politicians, all of it. And, but, you know, to focus on uh, artists and art industry, that is where we need to go back to. Because part of the issue is that these, these children do not have the opp- same opportunities. They just yeah. do not. Yeah. And, and, and as hard as parents work, as hard as PTAs work to bring, um, to bring dancers into the school to do the dance class once a week, mm-hmm. to bring uh, music into the school, to have a music class where they learn to play the recorder at seven and the keyboard at, I think, six or something like that. That's not enough. It's yeah. not enough. Um, I, I trained professionally as a classical violinist for a very long time. That is not even close to enough. Right. And so the what I'm seeing is access and education. Access would be tier two. Um, but education is the root of longevity. Like that is the thing that we have to fix yeah. for the long haul. Like so that 20 years from now, I'm like, great work. There's, there's these students coming out of these schools who, who know, you know, who know what Shakespeare is, who know, um, who know August Wilson, who know, um, who know black playwrights. Like, right. Right. To that. But, um, 
So that's step one for me. And, and that has a lot to do with, you know, call a call to action. Like the, the casting directors, thank you. I highly appreciate you promoting black actors. You know, well, let's talk about what your casting office can do for the black community. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's there? What are the options? What are the opportunities? Um, the same thing with agencies. What, how can you do, how can you help that? Because there's, there's agents everywhere. There's casting directors everywhere. How can you reach back into your community, into black America? And how can you be effective? How can you teach and educate and yeah. opportunities for these people? Um, and then access to me has a lot to do with what has already kind of been happening in the industry because of, you know, things like what Issa Rae did. And since that across the board, you know, there's been like these these writing contests or mm-hmm. these production contests or, or you know, director contests, like all of these things that are like, if you win, we'll give you like $5,000 and we'll help you shoot your first pilot or whatever. Right. Um, I'm going to say, I think that those types of, we need twice as many of those opportunities that can be specifically catered to Black Americans. Yeah. People of color. Right. Um, and and I and I think that's where we start. And I'm and that's not to say that that's enough, but those are some pretty um, specific uh, places that you can start. And I mean, hire hire a cultural diversity consultant. Yeah, you know? like do hire that foundational somebody. work, right? Yeah. Like that foundational work. And you know, the thing that you're saying that I completely that completely resonates with me, and I completely agree with, which is that we know for a fact that. Um, an actor or a performer is not separated from their community, right? Like I bring with me everything that's important to me. And I think for a lot of, a lot of us, we have come to expect very little from the systems that we're in. And so it's about having a bigger ask, which is like, yes, I do want you to support my career in this industry, but I'm not just a siloed performer. Like I bring with me things that I care about, things that I'm passionate about. And I would like to see you also invest in and care about those things as well. Yes, 100%. And you know, I, um, I recently did this meditation from, uh, it's a black owned company, um, by a black woman called black girl in Ohm, Mm -hmm. excuse me. And, um, it was like a black girl meditation and I did it. And I had this like moment of realization that like, Oh my God, we have all been spending so much time trying to fit into a space that was not created for us. Yeah. And, and I ha- it was so beautiful to me to do that meditation and to listen to this black woman's voice and to know that what I was doing and where I was going was made for me. Yeah, that I love that. Moved me to the bottom of my soul. And I think that touches on what you're saying is that there are these spaces that we keep having to try to fit into, right? So, so we stop there. And everyone stops there because we're just trying to fit in and trying yeah. to get through to it. Mm-hmm. And and what we are now asking, or um, asking the Lord, the South, <laughs> what we now want is for that little hole to be blown up. Right. That's what we want. So so that's that's sort of the call to action, really. Um, it's like I said when we're in our first conversation, this to me, this is a yes and era. Right, Thank you. right. 
for sending me that email that you support me as a, uh, a black client on your talent list. Um, but, but what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's next? And, and holding and holding people accountable. And, you know, I think sometimes when we hear this word accountability, it sounds like punitive and judgmental. And it's not in the most loving way. It's about holding people accountable for the fact that if, in fact, I do matter to you. That, you know, we talk about all the time that love is an action, right? Like care is an action. And we want to see how that's going to bleed into the actions of of where you put your time, where you put your resources. Yeah. And and more importantly, I think to me, and something that you said that just like moved me when you were just saying this, it's about understanding that like that very narrow space that we've been aspiring to is not a big enough to hold the full, like the full volume of of our abilities and identity, but also to aspire to maybe not try to fit into those small places. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like changing that idea, which is, it's a beautiful thought, but it's also scary because you only know to aspire to that thing. Yeah. And so everything other than that feels like nebulous and gray and like, what does it look like? And how do I, how do I path myself to the unknown, which I can get is totally scary. Yes. And I would also imagine to some degree that these like allies, um, you know, these, these casting directors and, and agencies who are professed allies also have that experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So and not not to them specifically, but I have like I have friends who I know have been called into offices at their companies and they've been asked to to consult. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, look, guys, write a check, right. you know, <laughs> write a check. Give somebody this job. This is a job. This is Consult- a job. Right. Consulting is a job like that needs to be a position that's everywhere mm-hmm. because across the board, y- their help is needed when it comes to that. No matter like, you know, what is, is it? B.I.P.O.C. Right. Across the board. Right. Need that. So, I and I actually think that's like a tangible idea. Like if you are if that's a gap in your workforce, in your agency, in your production, like hire black and brown artists to be consultants, like actually create the role, put dollars behind it. And like say, because this is the thing that I think people are afraid to admit. People are afraid to admit that they don't know where to start yes. when it comes to this. And they feel like by saying that it's it, it's in some way putting them in this category of like racist. It's like, yes. no, I don't expect you to understand what it means to be black if you're not black. So yes. you have to go and hire that expertise, which I think yes. is a, a real step that people can take. Yes, it's a it's a it's a tangible step. Totally. But I was reading something the other day that was they were saying something to you know profess their their uh, support of the Black Lives Matter movement, and it was the two words were tangible and and susceptible or something like that or sustainable, tangible right. and sustainable. sustainable. Exactly. And I was like, yes, that, and that's that's what and that's what I'm talking about with with what we're talking about is with access and education. Mm-hmm. Um, this like you know this this con this very real possibility of a, a cultural diversity consultant like these are tangible and sustainable actions that can be that can happen like i don't know donate to a pta right at a school in harlem they 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 don't have anything 
Yeah. They, um, they, they're lacking what you actually have. And you're, and when you say access, that's literally my love language because I, everything that I feel passionate about is about increasing access because yeah. we know, and I believe this across the board, access to education, access to the arts, access to healthcare, like access to these things actually improves both the quality and the quantity yeah. of, of your life. You actually live better and live longer when you have access to these things. And I think you're right. Like it should be, it should be an expected part of the work that's being done and and holding them accountable for that, I think is super important. Yes. And I think that's what we need to do. I don't, it doesn't feel to me like the conversation has quite gotten to education. Mm -hmm. Um, it feels like we're just touching on access. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, but I think that this is definitely the direction that things need to head, um, to some degree. Yeah, I I love that. You know, when you were when you were mentioning sort of it, these relationships that we have with our agents, with our you know with our production houses, all of those relationships. You know, one of the things that I think I have noticed in this in this space that we're in, mm-hmm. I in particular, and I know you do as well. We live in a very sort of diverse community, right? Mm -hmm. Like by product of the work that we do and the lives that we lead, everyone, I have so many races and ethnicities and, and religions and cultures that are of people that I consider my friends and my tribe. But then you find yourself in this moment where there's so much attention about, you know, diversity, equity, you know, racial justice, and it feels challenging to the relationship, right? Like it feels like how do we have these conversations and maintain, you know, our relationship and people are asking questions out of honest, like lack of knowledge, but then you don't know how to respond because you're feeling your feelings. Have you found that to be true for yourself? (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think honestly, um, to some degree, I felt like I really had to take a step back overall from mm. all of my relationships, um, just to work through my own mental health and my, and like self-care, um, <clears throat> and, uh, finding ways to express myself, uh, and to let things out mm. of my body. And, and then I definitely felt like, uh, my friends who were not black, I needed a minute yeah. from a lot of them. Um, and I think that that has to do with the fact that with everything that's going on and articulating everything that all of us are articulating on the internet, um, there's this, there's this tiny part that just feels like, God, like, I feel like we've been, we're best friends and you know, my secrets, but we, we are still surface. Yeah. And I'm, and I think that's sad. It makes me sad to think about that. Um, it makes me sad to think about, um, that the fact that I have friends uh, who have an extreme heightened level of privilege, who um, <clears throat> I have a surface level relationship with them when it comes to things like that, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, um, and that um, that's hard. It's hard to work through those those things, um, and I think it's okay. I think it's okay to take a step back, and you know. You can love someone from a distance if you need to, you know, uh, for that time period. And, and and then I think at some point, it's probably necessary to have that conversation, to have those conversations. Like, it's just hard. It's really hard because 
black people are at such a disadvantage and and we have only we've only started to talk about it like yeah we've only like started to talk about the beginning of it right now right now black people are trying to protect and preserve their bodies their physical bodies right like we are we are and actually yeah we're actually fighting to be alive yes and 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 to be seen as like human and valuable and, and we're still in that space Yes, but I honestly I would even challenge that a bit because I don't know if we're fighting we we we've hit all of those yet. I think we're mm. fighting for fucking air. Yeah. And and the right to it. I think that's what we're right we're fighting for. We're fighting for the respect of my physical body. Like I right. love uh, Kanahasi Coates talks about this in 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 his book Between the World and Me about how how it's a challenge upon your physical body, your blood, sweat, tears, skin, hair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a challenge on all, upon all of that. And that's what we're fighting for. We haven't even gotten to the part where we start talking about um uh I mean it's 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 happening slowly, but we're not there where we're talking about uh the way that black women experience America. We're not there where we talk about the the relationship between black women and black men and how psychologically and sociologically it has been fucked by right. history. Um we're 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 not we're not we're not there. Yeah. We, we it's so, you know, when you say that it's so interesting because I, 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 I'm thinking about what you're saying through the lens of how I approach the world. And I tend to be very solution fixated, right? Like when I hear a problem, I want to fix a problem. And, and it's very uncomfortable for me to sit in the unknown, right? Like I really want to get to, you know, I do this in any sort of like space. And then I'm like, great, that's the problem. How are we going to fix it? And I have been, you said it just now, but I've been reminded through these conversations that we cannot fast forward into a space of solution just to make us feel better, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're, as you said it beautifully, we're just not there yet, right? Like we're not to the place where we can like stick a bow on it and be like, yep, fixed it. You know what I mean? Which is, which is what I think, you know, so many of us want to be, we want to see the plan. We want to see like the, 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 the timeline and say like, okay, this is what we're working towards. And to your point, we haven't even been able to have these foundational conversations. And it's so interesting to me because as I'm thinking about that, to think about where we are so delayed in these sort of like revelations about where we are in this moment in time. And then to think about how our lives are so intertwined with so many different people and so many different perspectives yeah. Uh, right now I'm having sort of this aha moment of like, well, of course it's going to be a breeding ground for like contentious conversations because yeah. we've, we fast forwarded in one area, but we're delayed in this other and yeah. we're trying to live those two things at the same time. Yes. 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 I mean, um, like right now I've been reading the book Eloquent Rage and, uh, by Brittany Cooper. And I think one of the interesting things that she talks about, which sort of hits on what you just said is how she says, and she's very opinionated and I love her book. I love it. <laughs> um, she says, uh, how come, and I'm not saying this verbatim, basically how come when a black man is, is murdered or brutalized by a police officer, black women stand up, uh, for, uh, organize protests and get on the streets. But when it's a black woman 
That is not what happens on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say I'm not, I definitely don't want to generalize. I am. Of course. Yeah. Look, um, but it's a very interesting concept because it, to me, it's not just about when you talk about that, we're not, it's not just about black men for me. It's about the overall issue with the perspectives of black, how people feel about black women. Um, yeah. And I don't, I know people don't want to hear what I'm about to say, but, uh, <laughs> No, I definitely want to hear it. Yeah, I know, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, white women in America, um, or in the or across the world, are via the patriarchy are a prized pet. Right. That is how that functions. That is, I think that's one of the best ways to explain it. Um, and black women are. Uh, how would I say this? Black women via the patriarchy are things, mm. uh, things that inanimate, uh, what is it? Uh, objects. Inanimate, auto, inanimate no, o- objects. Mm-hmm. Yes. That are, are owned. Mm. Um, and that is the way that the patriarchy treats those two sets of people. Now the problem is, part of the problem is the patriarchy is, is the world and you can you can gather that out of history right. if you just look at what everyone did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um history so history supports that. History supports this. Yes. It, and you can you can gather that information via looking at the way that colonization worked mm-hmm. and 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 relationships that have come out of that. I mean, so so because of that the this, you know, we're women, right? So we have like I have a lot of female friends. These conversations are so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're trying to say that mm. and you're trying to get someone to understand that and you're trying to get someone to understand that while we're all fighting, like black people, we're all fighting for our bodies. Like, no, I'm not saying anyone's fight is worse. I'm just saying that it wasn't not long ago that a black woman's vagina was on display in a museum in in England. Right. That wasn't very long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And and this idea, no, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think it's interesting because one of the things that I'm thinking about as you're saying this is that when you look at the way history has treated, and, and you use this as an example, let's say white women versus black women, yeah. it has set us up to not be able to be united and to come together because there are areas of overlap of things that we care about. Right. Which is, which is interesting because, and I think this is where I feel these sort of like natural tension points in our, in relationship with people who are, you know, not black, which is like, there is a slight overlap in the things that we care about. Right. Like we see things happen, Breonna Taylor, Ahmad, what happened in Central Park, you know, I'm just using some of the recent ones and we see those things. And there's this, there's this overlap of concern of like everyone's not everyone, but like, there's this general sense of like, wow, that's not right. Right. And so people have this moment where they feel like we agree on what this issue is and what this fight is. But then when you try to have those conversations, you realize like, oh no, we don't, we we really aren't fighting for the same things. And we can't even have the conversation Mm -hmm. about it because your perception of the world has been so protected, right? Like 
you have been able to experience this world cocooned in the knowledge that the world will take care of you, yeah. right? Which is not our reality. You yeah. know, as, as a Black woman, our reality is that not only does the world not want to take care of us, but in oftentimes, sometimes our communities don't want to take care of us. Yeah. And so and it, it's interesting because I had this conversation with another Black actress on the podcast, and she said she's like, it has never been more important for us to fully double down on sisterhood. Mm. It's it's never been more important mm. because we have to learn and 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 we were talking about this in the context of being actors, you know, you're going for the same part and there's so few of them and and yes. you feel like you're pitted against each other. And she's like, "No, we have to get out of that mindset. We have to support each other. We have to take care of each other mm-hmm. because it's the only way that we're going to be able to navigate this when like other people even if they wanted to care they don't even have a point of reference yes. to really care about it. Yes, I, I, it's a, it's a. I mean, it's a. I think something that's that I that I got from what you were saying is that it's so cool to me because, okay, so black women and white women under, under the realm, umbrella of this example have been put against each other essentially, mm-hmm. and also in in positions that are so far apart that there's no no understanding really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. But over time there's been more and more and more education. Whereas like, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, it like there was, there's all these, always this perspective like, oh, the black woman's angry, the black woman's angry. But it's like, no, part of this is that there are people, there are lots of people, even myself at a point in time who did not know how to articulate my anger, who don't under, who, who don't have the education or the knowledge or the language, really the language. The language, yeah. How I feel. So I'm enraged, right? Mm-hmm. And that's all I got. That's all I got. I don't, I, I, at that time, I don't know how to really dig deep and explain to you where I'm coming from. So, but you know, just look at history, education, when, when black people got that, you know what I mean? Right, right. So you're trying to have this discussion with somebody who may have more experience with you just in language, like yeah. just historically. So, so now we're at a time period where that's really changed mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. still changing, which is really amazing. And that has also given black women the opportunity to understand each other yeah. and the opportunity to say, look, sis, maybe we're not best friends. <laughs> maybe we're not even friends. Right, right, right. But I love you and I support you and I understand you. Yes. And, I, and like, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I feel. And that's what I got from doing the black girl ohm. And and being introduced to that black girl I know is like, oh, did, did, did this girl just make something for me? <laughs> okay, she just, did she Dude. just see me and and do something just for me? Girl, did you say breathe and I needed it? Oh yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. You know, but it's like, and it sounds so simple, but it's it's so important and so relevant. And and that sisterhood is what gives us the opportunity to help us sister out when people don't understand her and yes. when she, can't, she doesn't have the language to articulate how she feels and what she's going through. You know, what you're saying, I love so, so much because I actually think that this is where part of the breakdown is happening because, you know, I've had these conversations um, with some of my white friends and, and uh, one of the things that I do love is that by virtue of the fact that we have relationship, they are able to be honest in a way that like actually helps me understand what they're thinking, how they're navigating this, which is the only way you can actually grow and like move forward. So like, yeah. that's like 
points in the right direction. But I do think that there has been sort of this general sense of like, they, they're shocked by how, how um, ugly, how ugly this all is. Like they know, and, and I mean the, the response, the anger, the rage, how, how deep it is. And something that you just said, I think is so key to it, which is it's not that the rage is new. It's that we have language for it now. Mm-hmm. And because we have language, and I would even couple on top of that, we have platform for yes. it now, right? Mm-hmm. Like now, not only because I think we had language, but we were talking to each other about it, right? Like, this is what would happen in, like, the corner of an audition room or, like, you know, on Black Twitter or, like, yeah. or like whatever. Like, we were having those conversations, but now there's a platform, take social media, take all of these places, and then the amplification of that has been enough where people are like, oh, I didn't realize the depth of what you were feeling. And, and it's not so much that I've been... Um, willfully ignoring your experience, but I I was protected from it, right? Like I didn't have to be in the trenches with you. And I think there's been so much visibility and the narratives have been so amplified that like you can't escape it. Yeah, it's, as you can tell, it's so hard for me to even hear that, like to Mm -hmm. hear that it's not that I was willfully ignoring your experience. Mm. It's hard. Oh, oh, I don't like it. Yeah. Do you do you disagree? Do you think that? No, I, I mean, I actually don't because I I can understand how you can't how that can happen. <clears throat> I think that why the reason I don't like it so much and why I just like yeah it feels gross is because you were that only happens because of because of fucking education. That is why that happens. Mm-hmm. That happens because people are not taught the truth and yeah. they are not taught it adequately enough and, and specifically enough. Mm-hmm. That is why I'm like, oh, y'all want to know why everybody can go to the gynecologist and feel kind of okay about their experience? Because let's be real. It's only kind of okay. Right. right. Um, <laughs> it's never and, great. <laughs> um, but it's because, because some dude was like, hey, let me go get all these black women and let me do some explorations and some testing and figure out how I can help women. Right. I guess. Or white women or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it, that's, that's what makes me feel so, it makes me feel icky about that because you know, I, it, I, it's, I, there, it, it, it's there and it's interesting because I, and I cannot remember who said it, but someone said it and they articulated it much better than I probably am about to. But it's interesting because the people who are not minorities. I'm going to use that as as the term because I think this applies to immigrants. I think this applies to anyone who checks that box that is outside of like white American, you know, Mm -hmm. the the perceived norm of this country. I think that we by product of who we are have to be fully educated about everyone's history. we, We can't survive and not know the white experience, the brown experience, the black experience, whereas white communities can absolutely navigate the world and not know anything about 
us or our history. Like it will not slow down their career trajectory. It will not create discomfort in their everyday life. Like we have to, and we hear comedians talk about all the time how, you know, we're bilingual. We know like how to, you know, we know how to speak, you know, white, white America. We know how to speak black America. But the, the, the historical truth behind that is, is like, we have to know. Yeah. We cannot navigate the world and not know that. And so it's interesting because, because so many people live in a reality where like, I don't have to know your story in order to live my life to the fullest. It won't create discomfort for me to know, mm -hmm. to not know your experience. It will not stop my family growth, my economic growth, which I think is the big piece, right? Like yeah. I can still attain wealth and success in this country and never really have to think about you or your experience, yeah. which is what puts this, this conversation at a pause, like a, a historical pause. Yeah. Which is why I'm so hurt by it. Yeah. Which is why I'm so hurt by it's it. It's so because, hurtful. Because, because the thing, like you said, the things are, it is, it's, it's, uh, it's money and it's safety. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And so, um, I think that's why it hurts so much. Yeah. Because it really just hurts to like, to know, it hurts to know that somebody could just make it through life mm -hmm. and have like this great life. Yeah. And, and never have to look at that. Uh, you know, and, and I go to, I go to the subway, I go to an audition, I go to the bank, I go to the coffee shop, I go to, to H&M or wherever. And I, I, I can be five different people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. That's like that. That's, that's the, that's the reality, right? Yeah, that's my reality. Um, it's like when I was little and my mom used to like go into the bank and bring us into the bank. And she would like get this voice, and I was like, "What is she doing? Who are you?" Um, but you know, I mean, that's that's the reality. So it's uh, you know, like this, like you said, this is a part of the uncomfortable conversations. This is me saying instead of being angry, you know, this is where I have to be. Like instead of being angry, I have to let down my guard, and mm -hmm. I need to be. If I if I like, I want to be open. Mm -hmm. to what that person's experience has been and and to you know to to hear to listen and to share um yeah it's hard, well, that's you, hard. you know the thing the thing that i think about when you say that is that it, to have these conversations, both in our personal life and in our professional life, it, the other part that i think is really uniquely difficult about it is that you know before you start the conversation that it's going to make people uncomfortable. You yeah. know that it's going to, it, it, there's no way that it can't put a strain or shine a light on the relationship, on the level of expectation. And I'm wondering for you, how have you navigated this specifically professionally? Because, you know, when you're in this creative space, so much of what we do is banked on reputation, right? Like you want to be liked. It, it's important that people think that you are easy to work with and you're fun. And, you know, that's all of the things that we wear as our like mask in order to be marketable and to be, you know, to be seen as someone that is castable and all of those things. And yet we're coming to a place where you can't not have these conversations. Yes. So how are you balancing that? Is, is that something that you are actually in the place of? Like, are you 
already there sort of feeling like you can have those conversations and navigate that? Um, I mean, I feel like it's a couple of things I would say, and this might sound, you know, very like meditative. <laughs> but, um, I would say that the first thing that I think I did before even before all of this, before realizing that completely is just coming into myself. Um, because I think that one thing that's very important, which is, which is something I just touched on, uh, which has to do with being myself as a black woman, Ashley, in, in all of the circles and rooms that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is definitely one of the, one of the first things, right? Because part of the issue, part of the thing is like, we, we do put on these masks Mm -hmm. and do put on this like false representation like that's basic psychology is like everybody wears a mask and blah 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 but like for for black for black people people of color um that's an added layer yeah um but for black people it's very specific so I think that's been a part of it like my like this might sound cheesy but my natural hair journey is a part of that you know uh coming into myself and feeling really comfortable with my body, with the way that I want to dress, with the way that I want to wear my jewelry, um, the way that I speak, the music that I listen to, uh, the books that I read. uh, I think all of that was the first steps to that. And then I think, and then I think with the industry, and it all depends on where you are in your career, there's something to, there's something so important about doing that and being comfortable bringing that person into the room letting that person be your headshot, letting yeah. that hair be the hair in your headshot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, you know, if you, like I booked and, 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 it, and then the beautiful thing and that too, is you can really find support. Like I, I, I did a photo shoot, I think at the end of last year and um, I'm sorry. It's okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> I did a photo shoot at the end of last year and uh, the woman who was doing my hair was a, was a, was a white woman. And I came with my hair freshly done in a twist out. So we just took it down and it was done. Like Mm -hmm. it was like who I am, who I present myself as a model. And I was like, we're prepared. And I went in there, took my hair down. She went over to production and they were like, so we want you to straighten her hair. And she looked back at me and looked at them and was like, absolutely not. Wow. And she was like, that girl has her hair done. She has a whole bunch of stuff. Like she was just like, absolutely not. And then she walked back over to me and she was like, listen, they want me to straighten your hair. And I told them, no, because your hair is done and I'm not about to mess up your hair because they want me to straighten your hair. Right, right. And like, she understood, like, I have all this product in my hair. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, now you, you missed, you had to say that before. <laughs> right. um, like, that's a journey we had to take like yesterday. But it's being brave in those instances too, because like, I, I had a conversation recently who's with a black actress who's in a very similar position as I am in my career, who was in a room in a chair with a hairdresser who was just destroying her hair and it's like coming in being confident in who you are as a person like Mm -hmm. fine we're actors we're artists we're creators we're all nervous we're going to be but being confident with who you are and in present and and showing up as that person because because you got to show up as that person in the room when I sit down with my manager and I'm like hey listen this is not working yeah 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 I you know the thing that the thing that I'm taking, it's so funny because it's really the hardest 
And yet the most important thing that you can do, and I think you said it, and I don't think it can be said enough, which is doing that first work of like really coming into, this is who I am, right? Like, and, and, and to be fair, and I think for everyone who's listening, we have to acknowledge that like who you are is specific to you, right? Like there is no checkbox for like black, Right. We know that the industry has all of these categories for everyone. You know, we know that that's the business side of it, but like there is no one definition for black. So you have to understand like, who am I? What is that manifestation for Brietta? Right. How do I show up as my full authentic self? And then I think to your point, and you said it. And when you said it, I was like, I, I'm going to be thinking about this for like the next week, which is like, then it's about being brave enough to bring that person into the room every single time. Every time. Like, like bring that person. And you, and there is an inclination to want to lessen, shift, change. Because, you know, audition auditioning is like weird and scary in and of itself. Like being seen and judged is like a weird, scary thing that's just a normal part of our business. Yeah. But, but the courage to walk into any room And just know that like, this is me and I can walk away from this experience knowing that they really saw me, which is not easy to do, but like is, should be the goal. Yes. Because, because, and it's so funny because this really ties into, I know what everybody hears in acting school that like the part is for you, it's for you and, and the authentic self and narrative. But, but on top of all of that, like as a black woman, as a black man, and especially black women, because I know that we go through it with our hair. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, deciding like, this is who I am. Yep. This is what my hair looks like. Is it flexible? Yes. If it's not for you, no. Right. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And and bringing that person into every room, into every phone call that you have with your agent, into renegotiating your contract and being confident to say, hey, look, I I, I would, this is what I'd rather do. Yeah, you know, and it, it's hard because because overall, all creators, all artists are like very nervous because we just want the opportunity. We want yeah. the job, um, and, and so, we want the job. We want to be a part of the industry, yeah. and and we're afraid. And I think that this is a particular nuance to those who are in the creative field. I think the only thing that probably is similar to this from an actor perspective or like models, which is like, you're very afraid to say no to someone in those moments, thinking that like, if that relationship is severed, like I'll, you know, we, we all have that moment where we're like, well, that's it. I'll never work with that person again. Or like they, they hated me. And like, that's never going to happen. And I think that there is a way for us to be comfortable with showing up fully as who we are. And I think the more comfortable you are with who you are, the less contentious that has to be, right? Like it doesn't have to be like this big line in the sand. It can just sort of be like, this is who I am, right? Like this, these are the things that are like non sequitur. Like I won't do this. Like, this is how I want to look. This is how these, this is how I want to be seen. And it, and it even translates into, and I was talking to someone else about this the other day, it translates into the roles that we're willing to be submitted for the roles that we're willing to accept. It's like, I, I, I don't want to perpetuate this stereotype. I don't want to be boxed in. Like being authentic means having the courage to say, this is, 
this is how I want to navigate this industry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's 100% it. And the crazy thing about it is I think that it probably almost has nothing to do with your talent. Right. I think that it has, which is, which is hard to swallow, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you spend so much time, or your crap, you spend so much time working on that. And you're like, this is, I've got to get this right. Mm-hmm. But what I have discovered recently and what I have been doing recently is really just working on myself. I, as you can obviously tell, I'm sure by now, is that I tend to read specific kinds of books. Um, and um, I've been reading this book called Mindset by, I think it's Carol Duet. And um, it's just been really amazing and expansive in terms of the way that I process my achievements and my, mm. my quote unquote success, um, which has a lot to do. And it's very connected to the way that I feel about myself and then, you know, backwards connected to myself, my like worth being worthy. Right. Um, and then linking all of that to, to owning who I am as a person authentically and bringing that into every single room. Um, and, and that's a lot, but it can start as small as saying as like somebody giving you a compliment and you taking it. Yeah. Yes, which is something that I work on all the time. It's it and it's funny because I have this conversation with my mom all the time. I'm like, you know, I I know that I'm having growth in those areas because I don't have such a violent knee-jerk reaction to someone saying like <laughs> like like you know, someone says you're beautiful and I'm like, "Oh my god, please." <laughs> Like, just stop. Don't look at me ever. And then like, so you feel like you're making growth in those areas. But I do think that, you know, to be seen is such a vulnerable thing. You know what I mean? And I, and it's one of the things that I say about people that I have in my life. It's like, to me, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I feel very passionate about this, but like relationship and friendship and this idea of having relationship with someone means that I'm willing to be vulnerable enough with you to be seen by you, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to let you see everything about me. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, the risk of you seeing the parts of myself that I'm not like in love with, you know what I mean? And so I think that this idea of knowing yourself, it was interesting when you talked about the book that you're reading mindset and, and, and really sort of how you process your life to me, there seems to be such a seamless tie between that and like actually taking care of yourself. You know what I mean? Like nurturing yourself in the fullest sense of the word. And I know that you're someone who is passionate about wellness and well-being, but like, how are you, do, do you read those books as sort of part of your like wellness package? Like, is that part of the way you're like taking care of yourself? Because I'm always looking for tips on how, on how to, on how to be a little bit more caring and loving to myself. I love that. Um, I think that my journey into books like that, um, had a, like my journey into black feminist book, feminist uh, theory and contemporary theory had a lot to do with just learning about myself and giving myself language to express my experience mm-hmm. um, and also giving myself an opportunity to learn history. Yeah. Uh, but books like that, I think, um, I would say yes and no. I, I think I definitely do get into like, like, like I was listening, I listened to books too on Audible and I was listening to Daring Greatly, Brene Brown's book. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was very, um, 
it was, it was, it's also part of my wellness experience, you know, like listening to it is like, sort of like, like the feel good of like, you know, hot chocolate going down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I also um, really try to take note of very poignant things, uh, things that like uh, make me spark inside of me. Um, and, and I, and I think like, I think one of the things that we can do for ourselves is, uh, creating like I, I explained to one of my friends once I was like I, I stopped making lists and I was like so if there were like things there was like if there was like 10 things I would love if I did every day um instead of making it in a list I started making it in a circle mm. um because then it was all it all felt equal to me on the page I love that um so so these like types of books are for me are like I can take something small and tangible from them. Like I can take very small that, um, that, that I, if someone gives me a compliment instead of, instead of shying away and be like, Oh my God, no, my hair's a mess. I can just, even if I feel that just the act of saying thank you is is beginning, is the beginning of a change. Mm. Um, which is what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about developing like your confidence and your self-worth. And so I, so these books, um, that's what they do for me. <clears throat> like one of my, excuse me, one of my favorites is, um, uh, big magic, which, um, just like touched my heart reading that book. Um, because it gave me so much as an artist, uh, of, uh, of, uh, lack of responsibility and responsibility. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've heard so many people talk about this book and and quite honestly, I may even own it and just have not read it. So literally while you were saying that, I was like, nope, I'm going to read it. Like no excuse. I'm going to read it. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just, so, so they're part of my, they definitely are part of my, my self-care and my, my, my wellness journey. Um, and I do try to take very specific things out of them. Uh, I wish I, I can't remember this, this writer's name, but she's like, she's really good friends with, uh, I think it's, Elaine, I can't say her last name. Mm-hmm. She was like the editor in chief of like uh, online Vogue, um, but it's, I can't remember her name. But anyway, it's this really amazing book full of these quotes that she wrote, and um, like things like that. Just just like having a book full of quotes that I can open up and flip through, and you know, maybe something has nothing to do with how I'm feeling, but then maybe something does. Um, and I think a lot, of, like all in all, a lot of what I do has has to do with checking in. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really small changes. Like one of the small changes I think I made years ago was stop, was to stop saying sorry to people. Right. I was just like, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, can, I cannot do it. Cause it, you know, we're so taught, we're just fit, create, we're just, it's in us to say yes. sorry for things that have nothing to do with nothing, what I like we literally did nothing wrong and yeah. we're apologizing and, and truthfully, we're just apologizing for like being in the space. It's like, yeah. we're, it's not because we did anything. We're just like, I'm sorry, I'm here. Yes. Um, and, and, and with all that, I think like, I'm pretty big on meditation. I think that you definitely have to find meditation that works for you because there's yeah. so many different kinds and there's just so many different options. Um, but, um, I mean, if you haven't meditated, I would totally start by trying out Black Girl and Home because that was amazing. Um, and, and, and journaling. Yeah. I think I try to journal pretty much every day uh, as like at the beginning of my day. Uh, and if it's like, if I'm doing all, if I, if I feel like it, I'll journal and then meditate basically. Also, 
I will say I really try to work on how I speak to myself. Oh, you now you've tipped into things that I, that are on my list yeah. <laughs> because that self-narrative part is like key. And it's actually, I think one of the things that I, on that, and I'll let you, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take this, but I think one of the things that I have been learning about self-talk is before even trying to like, quote, fix it or address it, it's just being awake and aware of it. Like really just listening to the things that you're saying to yourself mm-hmm. is so important because it really, it, one of the things that it taught me is that there is this disconnect between how you think you're perceiving yourself versus how you actually are perceiving yourself because your self-talk is really coming from that deep part of you. And when you listen to it, you're like, oh, I, there, there's some stuff there that I need to unpack and explore. Yes. Yes. I agree a hundred percent. I think one of, this might not work for everybody, but one of the easiest ways I think you can start trying to do that is by um, like one, just being open in terms of awareness. And I think once you get to the point where you are aware, the next thing would be to, if you have a niece or a nephew or or a, a child in your life in some capacity, is to think, what would you say to that child if they said that about themselves in front mm, of you? Yeah, that's good. Um, because I, because I like, you know, I don't know. People may have kids, may not in life, but I do think if your if your plan is to have children and to become a parent, you have you have to look at who you are as a person mm-hmm. first. Yes, that's what you will. That's what will, you'll extrovert when you have children. Even if you're trying to raise like these these human beings who are super conscious and super confident, what you have will affect them and they will get it. So that's sort of my like very, that's something very recent that I've, that I've realized and been thinking about is how like, and I like, I know I I have a a radar on for like physical criticism, like when people criticize their physical body. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like, if somebody says something, I'm just like, (laughs) Oh my God. You know, it's so funny you're saying that because I actually just started this practice recently within the past month, which is, I remember I had this conversation where I was like, I'm no longer going to let people have narrative about my body, good or bad, good or bad. Like, I don't want people telling me, oh, you, you know, you, you've lost weight. You look so great. Or like any, like any of that stuff. I remember I had a conversation with a very dear friend of mine who I love and she loves me. And like, we're, we're soul sisters, but I had this conversation with her. I said, I don't think you understand my relationship with like physical body and I, and how I identify with that. And when, even when you're saying something positive, it's actually not good for me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, because it makes me too aware of how my body is being perceived. And, you know, again, because she's the loveliest of people, she's like, I, I hear that and I receive that. And like, she's like, and I don't love you or hate you because of your body. You know, it's you. But I think taking some ownership over that has been something that I've been doing for my personal wellness, like recognizing that I own my body like I have agency over it and mm-hmm. not let people sort of feel like they can have an opinion about that. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I love, I love that so much because I think a lot of us have made mistakes in commenting on other people's bodies. And I, I personally have, and I, that moment when that happened has always stuck with me. And what you're saying is I think exactly the experience that was had by that other person. Um, 
and and I I think that I am this way about my hair. Mm. And I think I'm this way about my hair with people I do not know. Yeah. Uh, I should say, especially with people I do not know, because um, very often I, I, I have spent a lot of time as a childcare provider uh, in the past. And um, I, I used to watch this, uh, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful black girl. And um, she had like, like without stereotypes and with trying to not say this incorrectly, she just had the hair that all of us want. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I all, know. All of us. Right, like, right, right. Women, like we're all we all want it. Right. And that's what she had. And it was just beautiful. And I remember we were out this one particular day, and this man who was probably like 72 came across the room to us mm-hmm. to tell her how beautiful she was. He was a white man, and I was like, We're gonna go. Yep. And um Cause I was, I can't, I was like, I cannot process why you thought it was so important for you to tell her this. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't think you realize how irrelevant you are yes. in this situation. Yes. I don't like that. You thought that you, it was okay for you to come across, um, an, like an indoor market. Right. Packed full of people. Right. To tell us that. It's so, no? and it's so interesting because I think that this idea of understanding, you know, your own self-worth. I was, I was literally just having this conversation yesterday about this idea of loving yourself really means that you take care of yourself to the fullest extent, which means, and I, I was saying to this other person, I was like, it's this idea of being your own parent. And I think you articulated this before, which is like, I protecting myself from the people, the things and the words that mm-hmm. are either triggering me or um, or are not loving me to the fullest extent. Yeah. And, and that's about being, but it goes back to that idea about really being self-empowered to know that it's okay to say to people that like, with all respect, like here's a, you've reached a boundary for me. You can't, you can't address my person or my body or whatever. And I mean, I think the funny, the thing is that, not funny, the cool thing is, I think for me, I feel even further empowered now because whereas in the past, I stood in the elevator with that same child, with a white woman who was probably in her 55, 60s, who in a very strange way commented on this little girl's hair. Mm-hmm. And I, I was standing next to her and the little girl, she's like the sweetest person on the planet. So she was like, like she'll hold the door for like 72 people to walk through and like <laughs> right. holding the door. Like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how sweet and kind she is. And she, you know, says, thank you. And I'm standing there just like standing next to this woman. And then she looks at me and she looks at my hair and she goes, Oh, your hair's really nice too. And um, I just looked at her. Yeah. And I, away and I didn't say anything. And that was my way of dealing with those situations. Is totally. Like, I'm not going to give you anything for this right. moment, even though obviously I'm giving something, but like, I have no words. Right, right, um, right. I won't I'm, honor that. I'm not going to yeah. honor your opinion. Yes. And, and now I think now I feel even more comfortable explaining why I'm not going to. Yes. That is so, that's so good. I, I love that because I think that the more you do that work of understanding yourself 
you know, really accepting yourself fully and authentically, the more you become empowered and have language around the the way you want to navigate the world, which I think is like, that's the thing, right? Like, that's the thing that we're all trying to figure out is like, how do I want to navigate this world? You know, how do I want to show up? How do I want to live my life to the fullest? What, What does living my life authentically look like for me? And I think one of the things that you say that I completely resonate with is that, and I think it's a byproduct of a lot of things. I think as you get older, as you, you know, have more experiences, you get more comfortable with yeah. saying, you know, no, this is how my body and my spirit should be treated. Yeah. And, and doing that, it, it helps you sort of like combat what can be a very brutal world, right? Like yeah. you, you have this way about the way you're dealing with yourself that kind of puts up this barrier so that the world doesn't get a chance to be as cruel to you as it could be. Yes. And I think, and I think that that's okay. I really do. I think that's the other thing is I think there, there would potentially be people to challenge that idea, but I think that there's not like, there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself in Mm. certain ways. I do think like, obviously like we can all, we all have different experiences and sometimes we can get, we have experiences that cause us to go to the extreme, um, which are totally valid. But I think, like you said, it's a lot of it has to do with learning about yourself. Yeah. Like I have always been, this is so funny. I don't know if it's funny, but it is to me, but (laughs) I have always been the person like that. Like, I don't give a fuck what you think about what I'm wearing. Right ever and like so much so I was like really young in Vegas with some friends and we all were like let's go buy dresses because we're gonna go out tonight <laughs> we go to this store everyone picks a dress and I pick this green dress with like these long sleeves and the sleeves are like slit and see-through and like like flowing and I loved this dress they all hated it mm. all of them it was like four other women they all hated it and I was like I love this dress yeah and I'm fucking wearing it tonight and I did. <laughs> and I looked great, by the way. Right. Exactly. I looked great. But like, I've always had that thing. Right. For whatever reason. And I mean, we like, we all have like different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so it's really, it is this process of like learning these things about learning about yourself as a person. Um, and darn, I almost had her name. Her name was, I thought it was Chloe something. I'll figure it out. But mm-hmm. anyway, learning about yourself as a person and, and then saying, okay, great. Like, where do I feel? How do I feel about this thing? Like, how do I feel about my hair? How do I feel about my skin? Yeah. Um, I get so many, I get so many compliments about my skin and very often those compliments come at me from a, from a perspective that has the undertone of, Hey, can you compliment me back? Yeah. Interesting. Right. Can you can you bring yourself down a few notches mm-hmm. and compliment me back? Yeah. And and I really don't like it. So much so what this is a little this might be a little extreme to some people, but I once I was complimented on my skin and had a whole conversation, or before the whole conversation could happen, compliment and I was like, Well, you know, I got nice skin. We got I I got nice skin, you didn't. I got slavery, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> tomato tomato how do we yeah, win and it this was like out? the woman who, who's like now a pretty a really good friend of mine was like yep, yep. and I was like mm-hmm. exactly right. exactly stop doing that stop yeah. 
talking to me about my skin so that you can feel better about your skin's aging. Like it's so weird. It's a weird, it's a weird thing that we do to ourselves and that we do to other people. But you know, something that you just said that I think is such a good place for people to sort of like, if you're thinking about what can I take away from this, that's like actionable and practical, you know, doing this self-work will help you to understand yourself, which is important, but then by product of that, understand how you feel about what's happening in the world around you. Like it's very difficult to understand how you feel about, you know, the world and where we are and what's happening socially and and politically and globally. It's hard to think about that when you don't even know sort of like how you feel sitting in your own body. And I think that if someone was thinking, what's what's my first work that I should be doing? It always goes back to, to the individual, right? Like it always goes back to doing that self-work. Yes, 100%. Like self-work and, and just starting with one specific thing. Yeah. And that could be, for, for a lot of women, that could be saying sorry. Yep. You know, like for that could women, be the thing that you work that on. Could be your starting point. And then for a lot of women, it could, it could be like, uh, listening to your own self-talk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, those are two places. And then, and then if you're, if you're trying, having trouble, like read books, like there's some beautiful, hilarious books out there. And the, the book I was trying to remember is written by Chloe Wade. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of the book, but it's by Chloe Wade, uh, C-L-E-O. And um, it's a book full of these quotes that she has that she's written. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful book. I love that. I think, I think that you are such an amazing individual, Ashley. I think that as, as was our first conversation, you and I could talk forever because I, I love the fact that you are, um, you're so thoughtful and, and genuine about the way that you approach you know, relationship with other people. And I think that that's the thing that I'm always drawn to. I'm always just like, I want people to be genuine and authentic when I'm dealing with them because I try desperately to bring that to other people. So I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You're such a lovely person. I'm so appreciative. And um, tell people where they can find you. Are you on Instagram, website, all of that stuff? I'm basically on Instagram. So uh, my Instagram is at Ashley Versher. It's uh, V as in Victor, E-R-S-H-E-R. Um, I never go on my Facebook until my husband tells me that I have like a lot of messages I should go read. Um, and and I, I do have a website. Uh, uh, it's uh, www.ashleyversher.com. Uh, and it's my acting, my acting jam stuff is on there. Well, we'll make sure to have everything linked in the description for this particular episode. Thank you again, Ashley, for being a part of this podcast. I hope that everyone has taken away from this conversation what I have, which is I feel joyful like I have there's some joy that I feel leaving this conversation because to me there's nothing more important than like connection and creating community and as you bring more and more people into your community and into your tribe it just expands your life and brings so much happiness and joy and so I feel so privileged to have had you on the podcast today for everyone who's listening I hope that this episode has done exactly what I always endeavor it to do which is to make you think and feel more deeply. And if nothing else, it was just a positive moment in the middle of your day. I can't wait to bring someone else back to the platform. But in the meantime, you all have an amazing, amazing day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.